Today's reading is from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 11, which can be found on page 1153 of the Church Bibles. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 11. Spiritual gifts. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Andrew. He's multitasking this morning. He's got to run from the front to the back to get back on the sound desk. (laughs) Well done. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, as we look at this uh, wonderful passage today, I pray that as we explore and hopefully understand it better, we would not just understand it better, but Lord, but we would indeed believe and know the spiritual gifts that you give to each and every person that professes you as Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are on the last talk in our series on worship. I don't know about you, but I found it quite an exciting uh, sermon series to be going through. And we're looking at this fantastic uh, passage. And I really do hope it's going to be an encouragement to all of us as we begin to unpack and really take in and understand what Paul is saying to us this morning from these words. But before we do that, I've got a short uh, video that we're going to watch. It's a video that's been around for, uh, for quite a while. I don't know if some of you may have seen it before. And the important thing to, to do as you watch this video is to not just think about the tune going, oh yeah, I know that, is to really listen to the words. And a quick disclaimer as well is I'm not saying worship is like this here, okay? But let's watch this video.
isn't it? Um, and like I said, I don't think that represents how, how we worship here. But I do wonder if perhaps some of those lines resonated with how you feel from time to time when you gather to worship. A few of these lines I just pick out. Uh, I will sing of your love on Sundays, but this feeling is gone by Monday. I don't know how many of that resonates with you. Or we stand singing about giving all but we do sometimes wonder if perhaps in our, our hearts we're only giving some to God. I stand amazed at my hairdo. That's personally one I've never um, struggled with. But um, perhaps sometimes in worship, some of us do care a bit too much about how we look or how others will think about us rather than God. My personal favourite line that was sung in there, we've sung this song for years, it's now a standard here. Um, we all have songs or styles of uh, worship that we like or, or don't like. And one of the things I love about our church here is the variety of services we have on a Sunday. Different styles of said and sung worship. And yet even in the service that we choose to go to, we can still struggle, can't we, when there's just one song in it that we don't like. Confession time, as a service leader, when I lead a service, I have the power to change songs that are suggested for the services that I'm leading. And when I see one on the list I don't like, I have to resist the urge just to get rid of it, just because I don't like it for and no other reason than that. I often resist, but don't always. But we, we all, don't we? We all have moments when we struggle with worship and what should be our focus. And I do mean everyone. Not just everyone here, but everyone in the world. Our focus should be God, and it is not always Let's look at these first three verses that uh, we had Andrew read to us from 1 Corinthians today. Well, actually, the first, first two. I'll read them out to you, but do have your Bibles open um, if that's helpful to you. He says this. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Quick bit of context to uh, this letter uh, uh, that Paul writes to the church in Corinth. Is he's addressing in it a whole bunch of, of issues and about what it means to be a worshipping community. This was a, a quite early church, so they had lots of issues as they figured out what it really meant to believe and trust in Jesus in their lives and what it meant for them as a community uh, to gather together. Corinth was a city where there was a plethora of different kinds of influences and gods all over the place, and all kinds of different philosophies, as well as being a, a Roman colony as well. 
So you have all these competing and different deities vying for the attention of people and leading a lot of people in the city astray. And Paul here tells us what he thinks about all these other religions and gods. Did you hear what he called them? Mute idols, i.e. gods that don't speak back. Don't speak back. He thinks they're hollow, lifeless, and empty. They're not gods that speak truth and light into people. Obviously, our world is slightly different today. As a society, sort of as, as a default, we're going to a, to a place where people don't even really think about God anymore, whether or not, or gods, whether or not they're, they're real or not. They just don't think about them. And we can think it's a bit silly. Oh, we don't have that issue. We're not going to go around and uh, worship statues or golden calves or, or anything like that. But I think, actually, there are just as many gods today. They just sort of perhaps take a different form than they did back then. Maybe it's something else like a sport team, money, possessions, maybe alcohol, I don't know. But these are all things that we can um, use to make us feel good about ourselves, that can lead us, that we can't feel like we can't do without. We place them, perhaps, sort of as a king, like a mini god in our life. And I think these are today's mute idols that can lead us astray and make us live lives that are not the lives that God would want us to. So Paul talking to this church with all these issues going on, with all these struggles going on, all these different influences, then says this in verse 3, which I find incredibly encouraging and should be incredibly encouraging to all of us. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying to this church, in this city where they've got all these kind of influences happening amongst them, where they've got all these issues, and there were loads of issues in that church in Corinth, uh, figuring out what it meant to be uh, followers of Jesus, Paul sets this bar really low. He says, if you can confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, you have the Spirit of God in you at work basically. When Paul says confessing Jesus is Lord with your lips, he, he's not talking about literally saying it, but not meaning it. There is about saying this, this idea, as, as he talks about saying it, he's saying it uh, with, with, some, with a level of, of belief and um, conviction. Uh, those of you that have ever tried to make a child uh, say sorry know what I mean by this. You know, when your child has just, you know, uh, whacked another child over the head or hit them because they've done something to upset them and you say, explain why it's wrong and then ask them to apologize to their sibling and they go, sorry! That's, and you know they're not actually sorry, they're just saying it to get you off their back. That's not what Paul means by um, declaring it. That's not only my children that does that, is that? I hope not. Anyway, um, so Paul is talking about something about uh, declaring something as true that you sort of want to 
you, you believe in and, and you trust in. So, but when you do that, Paul says, the Spirit, that's a sign that you can know that God's Holy Spirit is in you and at work in you. Paul is talking here about uh, declaring perhaps something like we do on a Sunday when we come and worship and praise God as Lord in our lives. He's saying God's Spirit is in you and is at work in you when you do that. Isn't that amazing? Does that give you some assurance and hope with perhaps all the things that might be going on in your lives? Maybe you're going through a real struggle at the moment. But actually, if you can praise God, that's a guarantee, Paul says, that his Spirit of God is in you. The next thing Paul goes on to say is also about what happens now you've got the Spirit in you. And then Paul goes on to speak about some of the results of having the Holy Spirit at work in you. Paul continues to talk about a community and what the Spirit of God does for community. Our final theme for this morning is worship as community because this Spirit of God that comes, this Holy Spirit that comes and lives in us when we proclaim Jesus as Lord is not just something that is just for ourselves. It is something that is of benefit for the whole community. This relational God that we, uh, we worship, this God that did everything so he could have a relationship with us, also wants us to be relational, have close relationships with those around us. And so Paul continues and goes on to say that this spirit that is at work in us gives each of you, gives each of us something to contribute and serve the church and the wider community with. Just goes straight on into it in verses four and six. There are different, four to six, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. This means a few things to us, I think. First is this. You have a gift God himself has given you and placed in you. No one is too insignificant. No one's overlooked. If you're here this morning thinking you don't matter and you have nothing to give or contribute to this community, think again. God says different. God has given you a gift just like everyone else. I'll say, so first one is God's given you a gift. The second it means that every single one of you, kind of touched on this already, has something to contribute by working and serving and using that gift for the glory of God. And that looks different from person to person, but there are no exceptions. And the third thing I want to say about what this means to us is actually there's no ranking of gifts either. The gift that you have given is not a sign of your importance or not to God. In this whole, uh, well, Paul hints at it here quite strongly by saying all the gifts come from the same spirit. But then he goes on and really strains this point later on um, in the chapter after where our reading finished 
today. Paul goes on to use this wonderful analogy that many of you uh, will have heard about um, the church being like the body of, of Christ, all with different parts, some more visible than others, but all parts needed in order for the body to work together as one. You know, the hand needs the arm. And the foot needs the eye, and he uses all kinds of analogies uh, like that. Let me just read a couple of those verses from later on in the chapter to emphasize what Paul says about this. He says, there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for the others. And then he says directly, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And something else I find really interesting, bearing in mind that we put the chapters in the Bible, Paul didn't write his letter giving, those, giving in chapter numbers, we put them in later, helpful for us to find different things. But straight after that one body bit, then he goes on into something, that, a passage that many of us will have heard if we've ever been to a church wedding. It's this wonderful description of 1 Corinthians 13 of love. And that description of love is not a romantic uh, description of what love looks like in marriage, but it's Paul actually explaining what the attitude that Christian church, that Christian community should have to one another in who they are and in the use of their gifts as they meet together. To use them for the common good, to build up the community as Paul talked about in verse 7 using them as service and as beneficial, giving up of oneself for the other. That's a really sort of countercultural message, I think, because our world today tells us, I think it does, the opposite. Look out for yourself. Become self-sufficient that you're not reliant on anybody else. Just look out for number one. Get all these things to make yourself feel better about yourself and look better than everyone else. That's how advertising uh, works. But Paul is saying, don't be fooled by any of that. Trust what God has given you and then use what God has given you for the benefit of others. Don't go around comparing yourselves I love this quote. I think I've used it before, but I just love this quote so much I'm going to use it again. It's a quote by Theodore Roosevelt, and he simply said this, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. When we compare ourselves with other people, we do one of two things. We look at other people and then we end up thinking they're better than us, and we end up putting ourselves down and being discouraged about who we are. We downplay who God has made us and the gifts that he has given you. Or we can do the other thing when we compare with other people, can't we? Is we can look down on other people. We don't see the value in those who are different and we end up discouraging and damaging them. Paul is saying, don't do that as a church. Do not do that. Recognize your differences. Accept the the gifts that God has given you. Know your strengths and weaknesses, yes, but don't rate yourself 
against other Christians thinking you're more holy or less holy than them. God is a God that loves diversity. He loves giving people different personalities and different gifts, which I think is why he made us differently and gave us different gifts. He didn't do it because he loves some of us more than others or thinks some of us are more special. We're just different. The final thing that Paul goes to talk on in uh, this passage is spiritual gifts. And he, he, he finishes by, by listing a number of specific gifts that he says are, are spiritual. And this is not an exhaustive, exhausted list, list that we have here. There's uh, many more mentioned in uh, other passages, uh, some in Corinthians and other lessons, and, and in other ones as well. And I just want to say as we talk a little bit about spiritual gifts, that um, this, is, this is an area where there's a bit of variety of thought on it. Spiritual gifts, um, particularly the ones that are more supernatural, like miraculous signs or, or healing, people can struggle with today. Some question whether they really happen. And I just want to share very briefly a couple of thoughts from my own perspective about this. I think the Bible is really clear about spiritual gifts, even the more supernatural ones, that they happened. And I also think the Bible doesn't say that they ever stopped happening. Society in general today, I do believe, doesn't think they're real. But society doesn't believe lots of things that we in the church think are real, so I don't put much weight on that at all. Throughout history, the church, and even still today, I think there are many places where miracles are happening. I've seen them, I've watched a friend get healed through prayer, no other explanation, and I've seen many other people be healed and supernatural answers to prayer in my life just because they're unusual and they don't sit comfortably with society doesn't mean that they aren't real, they don't happen, and that we should dismiss them. I love the fact as a church that we go out and pray on the parade each week because I believe as a church community goes out and does that, he will miraculously be at work in people as we do it. That's the belief of the people that go and do it, that God will grow our community, that God will meet him somehow, meet people somehow as we pray. And I would love our, us as a church to continue to grow in using our gifts, in knowing the gifts that God has given us and in using them because it does build up the community. Another thing to say about spiritual gifts as well and supernatural ones is I think sometimes a lot of us use supernatural gifts without realizing that we are using them. We think it's something that just comes naturally uh, to us. Distinguishing between spirits, for example, which is one of the ones that, that, that Paul mentioned up there. There are lots of things going on there. But do you know people that can sometimes just walk into a room and say, there's something not right here? and put their finger on it, and they can't figure out why nobody else has this sense of unease and things like that going on in a room, or, or getting to the heart of a matter um, 
some people just have this ability when people are talking to actually really focus and get to the heart of the matter quicker than anybody else, almost in an instant, discernment. I think these are supernatural spiritual gifts that we're equipped, but they just happen sometimes so naturally to people that we don't realize that they're gifts that God has given us uh, to use from him. Hospitality as well is another one that's mentioned elsewhere in the Bible. Some people are just so natural about making people feel welcome and being hospitable towards other. And other people, no matter how hard they try, they can't make people feel relaxed. Supernatural gift that we can have and be using without even realizing that it really is a gift from God. I could go on, but I want to, I want to sort of draw us back and draw us to a finish now. I just want to ask you the question. What do you consider your gifts are? If you profess Jesus as Lord, what is the gift that God has given you? How are you using them for the common good, for the service of the church and those around you? Are you using them? Because if you're not, that's what God's given you the gifts for, to use for him, and he really wants you to. So please don't leave her thinking, I don't have a spiritual gift, or I wish I had that person's gift. Just come before God, trust him with what he's given you, and have the confidence to use it. Even if you don't feel particularly close or worthy, if you can come here and praise God, trust that his spirit is in you, at work in you, and he will help you grow and use that gift from him. All you need to do is be willing.